Hello and welcome to Scare You to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott, and I'm here to, well, scare you to sleep. First up for you tonight, I have a story by Jack Ian Benson. Benson specializes in horror, fantasy, and sci-fi with 16 short stories available for reading on their Medium profile, which I will link in the show notes. Their influences include J.R.R. Tolkien, H.P. Lovecraft, and George Orwell, all of whom Benson says has made them appreciative of speculative fiction. Without further ado, I present to you The Uncanny Package. Anthony and Sarah Downs were an unsuspecting couple who enjoyed the normalcy of their Seattle suburb. They were reserved and not ones to dabble in unusual affairs. They lived peacefully in Madrona and expected things to remain that way. The two of them were enjoying their morning, grateful for a lovely July. Anthony, in particular, enjoyed keeping up with the latest developments of 1990. It was then that they both heard a loud knock at the door, disrupting their quiet time. Perturbed by this sudden sound, Anthony put down his paper and rose from the table. He was expecting the neighbor as he reached the door. To his surprise, he saw no one there, but a large box wrapped in brown paper. This package dumbfounded Anthony. It had no postage information, writing, or any sign of origin. The only clue was a sealed blank white envelope attached to the top of the box via a string. He gently slid the envelope from under the string and opened it. Inside were three documents. A picture of a burned out bonfire in some Washingtonian woods. A map with an X on it leading to the state's coast and an anonymous note that read, You have been chosen. Enjoy. Return when necessary. Anthony stood there, perplexed. These documents made no sense to him. He was confident that he and his wife had ordered nothing. So what was in the box? And why were they chosen? Anthony attempted to move the box into the house, but it proved too heavy for one person. Honey, is everything all right? There's some box on the doorstep. Well, I didn't order anything. I know you didn't, Sarah. Anthony knew he would make a mess on the porch. He opted for a dolly from the garage and used it to move the package to the living room. His wife watched from the kitchen doorway. Who's it from? It doesn't say, hon, but clearly somebody wants us to have whatever's inside. Well, let's open it then. Anthony cut and stripped away the brown paper from the box with scissors in hand. The naked box was just as drab as the wrapping. 
he punctured through the tape and unsealed the top of the box. Sarah stood by his shoulder, her forehead furrowed with curiosity. Anthony flew open the flaps, and the two looked inside. Jesus Christ! Anthony stepped back in shock, and Sarah shrieked in horror. Shaken but still intrigued, the two peered into the box to verify what they had seen. It was a statue, one that resembled a grotesque monster. It was challenging to describe, given the alien nature of its image. It vaguely resembled an amphibian, but not one found in this world. What the hell is this? Probably some asshole's idea of a sick joke. Sick indeed, Anthony! They turned to each other and exchanged pondering looks. What should we do with it, Sarah? Throw it away, damn it! I'm not going to have this hideous thing in my house! That's what I was thinking, but... I kind of want to know who sent it. Anthony remembered the envelope he had left on the coffee table. He picked up the postal sleeve and handed it to Sarah, which she took cautiously. She opened it and rummaged through the documents, but received no satisfaction. As a result, the content only annoyed her. These don't tell us jack shit. Well, the note says to return when necessary. To where? Out in the middle of nowhere? Let's take it to the curb and leave it for the garbage truck. Anthony attempted to move it outside. But a piercing headache stopped him. The pain was so intense that Anthony lurched forward, barely catching himself from falling. Anthony, what's wrong? Oh, Jesus, Sarah, my head hurts. Fuck! Anthony collapsed on the couch, trying to mitigate the headache. Well, I'll go get you some aspirin and water, but I want that damn thing out of here today. Anthony stared at the box while he rested. He had felt fine seconds prior. Did the statue not want to be thrown away? Anthony got up in the afternoon, refreshed, and figured he would try moving the box to the garage. It surprised him how his head didn't hurt at this attempt. Later on, the couple discussed plans to dispose of the statue while eating their dinner. You seriously want to drive out to the coast, Anthony? That's what the note said, Sarah. Implied, you mean. I still can't see why we can't just throw it out. Do you really believe it gave you that migraine? Well, if you must know, dear, I felt perfectly fine before trying to move it out, then boom, that migraine came out of nowhere like a goddamn whirlwind. His wife just looked at him with skepticism and disbelief. If that's what you believe, hun, but since when do you believe in superstition? Your headache was just a coincidence, plain and simple, but I'll be glad to get rid of that damn statue, that's for sure. That night, the couple did not rest easy. 
they both had nightmares, composed of dreadful imagery. Waves hit jagged rocks below cliffs, a bonfire roaring with life, and the ocean turning blood red. The statue was situated before the bonfire. Voices spoke in the most ungodly of languages, a language that froze the blood just by its utterance. Early the following day, the couple got up from an uncomfortable sleep. They could not believe that they shared the same nightmare. Could the statue have powers of its own? They needed to get rid of the figure fast. The two usually enjoyed road trips, but this one felt more necessary than fun. Parked in the front of the package was their blue 1980s Volvo station wagon. Sarah opened the trunk and together they lifted the box up and slid it inside. They drove out of their garage through the streets of Seattle and before they knew it, they were out onto the open road. Miles upon miles, they saw a lot of country scenery as time ticked away. They just couldn't wait to be rid of the statue. They finally arrived at the designated area after hours of driving. The location was chillingly vacant with no signs of life. They could only hear the ocean's waves crashing not too far off. The two examined their surroundings, mainly seeing trees, rocks, dirt, and not much else. Most notable was an ash-filled pit, one that people had used for bonfires, just like the raging one in their dreams. The thought of this coincidence made them shudder, but then Anthony recalled the photo. He took it out and matched the scenery in the picture to their current location. Honey, I, I think we're in the right place. Great, where should we dump this thing? Why don't we leave it over by that fire pit? Anthony and Sarah opened the trunk and unloaded the box. The two pushed it through the dirt over towards the fire pit. That should do it, Sarah. I'll say. So long, ugly. Sarah gave the box a kick. No one was happier to be rid of the statue than Sarah. She had despised it from the moment she laid eyes on it. Just as they turned around, ready to drive back to Seattle, they saw three robed strangers wearing concealing cowls standing next to the driver's side of the car. Surprise took Anthony and Sarah as the three stared at them. Anthony then spoke. Uh, hi. This is your statue, right? Well, um... We're, we were just returning it, you know, just like the note said we could. The strangers did not reply, but only continued to stare. You delivered this for us, right? Us being chosen and all. Well, we weren't comfortable with it, so we brought it back. Thank you anyway. The strangers still did not respond. 
Sarah turned back to the package and yelped. Anthony turned to see five more identical dressed strangers standing alongside the box. Anthony couldn't quite understand the quietness of these people. They made no noise when they appeared in the clearing, almost as if they were ninjas. Anthony gulped while Sarah suppressed feelings of anxiety. They heard soft chants as they saw two dozen more of those strangers come out from all sides. The situation was quickly going from awkward to outright terrifying. Anthony was losing his cool fast. Okay, well, uh, you're welcome. If you want to, uh, enjoy your little dance ritual, uh, orgy, uh, whatever you want to call it. We'll be on our way. Just please step away from our car. It was the penultimate cultist from behind the car that spoke. You have been chosen. You have acted well. The lost one is most pleased. The couple jumped at the sound of knives rapidly cutting away at the cardboard. Several cultists dismantled the package until they revealed the statue in all of its morbid glory. Now is the time to deliver oblation to our master. Anthony was completely dumbstruck by the statement. Um, what? The surrounding cultists were mere feet away from the couple. Anthony and Sarah stood frozen, unable to move or speak, the hourglass draining fast. More and more cultists pulled out their knives. It was then that Anthony came back to his senses. Get the hell! Get the hell away from us! Get away! Fight or flight kicked in as Anthony grabbed his wife by the hand and attempted to escape. He punched one cultist while shoulder-thrusting another. Get the fuck away from us! Anthony's escape was not without penalty, as he received a brutal blow on his left shoulder. Blood seeped through his shirt. He bit his teeth as he fought against the pain. That was the last thing. Sarah screamed as one cultist stabbed her deep into her stomach. Two more followed with stabs into her back. Sarah! Anthony ran away as fast as possible, but not without a limp. He looked back to see half the cultists pursuing him while the rest sacrificed Sarah. He ran until he came across a steep cliff that led to the ocean, just like his dream foretold. Below were jagged rocks and crashing waves. The cultists caught up to Anthony and surrounded him. He had nowhere left to run. Fool! (laughs) You have been chosen. The master shall receive oblation. You shall fulfill your destiny. Anthony felt an overwhelming, mindless panic. He was up against a dozen armed assailants and knew that his situation was... hopeless. He took in a big inhale and sighed. Defeated. He spun around and leaped over the cliff, throwing himself into the waters below. The water turned blood red as his lifeless body 
bobbed against the rocks, slowly carried away by the tide. The cultists gathered in unison, chanting praises to Anthony's sacrifice. Mighty lost one, your latest sacrifice has given himself over to you. May you bask in his blood in contentment. The cultists celebrated their sacrifice for the rest of the day and into the night. They had picked their lambs wisely by placing that package on the down's doorstep. All would be well until their next oblation. The end. For the second half of this show, I wanted to do something a little different. I wanted to include some snippets of horror and death poetry I've recorded over the past year. If you'd like the full version of these, please check out my YouTube channel, which is where they live. I really hope these either unsettle you or comfort you or maybe something in between. Enjoy. In Flanders Field by John McRae. In Flanders' fields, the poppies blow, between the crosses, row on row, that mark our place and in the sky. The larks, still bravely singing, fly, scarce heard amid the guns below. We are the dead, short days ago. We lived, felt dawn, saw sunset glow, Loved and were loved, and now we lie in Flanders' fields. Take up our quarrel with the foe. To you from failing hands we throw. The torch be yours to hold it high. If ye break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep, though poppies grow in Flanders' fields. Funeral Blues by W. H. Auden Stop all the clocks, cut off the telephone Prevent the dog from barking with a juicy bone Silence the pianos and with muffled drum Bring out the coffin, let the mourners come Let aeroplanes circle moaning overhead Scribbling on the sky the message, he is dead Put crepe bows round the white necks of the public doves Let the traffic policemen wear black cotton gloves. He was my north, my south, my east, my west, my working week and my Sunday rest, my noon, my midnight, my talk, my song. I thought that love would last forever. I was wrong. The stars are not wanted now. Put out every one. Pack up the moon and dismantle the sun. Pour away the ocean and sweep up the wood. For nothing now can ever come to any good. O Captain, My Captain by Walt Whitman O Captain, my captain, our fearful trip is done. The ship has weathered every rack. The prize we sought is won. The port is near, the bells I hear, the people all exulting. While follow eyes the steady keel, the vessel grim and daring. But oh heart, 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 oh the bleeding drops of red, where on the deck my captain lies, 
fallen, cold, and dead. O captain, my captain, rise up and hear the bells. Rise up, for you the flag is flung, for you the bugle trills, for you bouquets and ribboned wreaths, for you the shores a-crowding, for you they call the swaying mass, their eager faces turning. Here, captain, dear father, the arm beneath your head, it is some dream that on the deck you've fallen cold and dead. My captain does not answer. His lips are pale and still. My father does not feel my arm. He has no pulse or will. The ship is anchored safe and sound, its voyage closed and done. From fearful trip, the victor ship comes in with object one. Exult, O shores, and ring, O bells, but I, with mournful tread, walk the deck my captain lies, fallen cold and dead. This next poem is by Thomas Hardy. It's called The Shadow on the Stone. Thomas had recently actually lost his wife, and this was to express his grief. I went by the druid stone that broods in the garden, white and lone, and I stopped and looked at the shifting shadows that at some moments fall thereon from the tree hard by with a rhythmic swing, and they shaped in my imagining, to the shade that a well-known head and shoulders threw there when she was gardening. I thought her behind my back, yea, her I long had learned to lack, though how did you get into this old track? And there was no sound but the fall of a leaf. As a sad response, and to keep down grief, I would not turn my head to discover that there was nothing in my belief. Yet I wanted to look and see that nobody stood at the back of me, but I thought once more, nay, I'll not unvision a shape which somehow there may be. So I went on softly from the glade, and left behind me throwing her shade, as she were indeed an apparition, my head unturned, lest my dream should fade. I think that one is so beautiful. Basically, if you didn't understand, sometimes poetry is kind of hard to understand in the moment. Um, it was about him visiting the garden and seeing the shadow or perceiving that the ghost of his wife is standing behind him and he doesn't want to turn around to see that she's not really there so he decides to think yes she is there and I'm going to leave without turning around so I can always believe that she was there isn't that beautiful this next poem is very very famous I may have read it on um, the scary to sleep podcast before I'm not sure um it's one of my favorites. It's probably a lot of people's favorites. Um, this is by Emily Dickinson, uh, the OG emo chick. Uh, <laughs> this is Because I Could Not Stop for Death. Because I could not stop for death, he kindly stopped for me. The carriage held but just ourselves and immortality 
We slowly drove, he knew no haste, and I had put away my labor and my leisure, too, for his civility. We passed the school where children strove, at recess in the ring. We passed the fields of gazing grain, we passed the setting sun. Or rather, he passed us. The dews drew quivering and chill, for only gossamer my gown, my tippet only tool. We paused before a house that seemed a swelling of the ground. The roof was scarcely visible, the cornice in the ground. Since then, tis centuries, and yet, feels shorter than the day. I first surmised the horses' heads were toward eternity. Thanks for listening. Thank you to my author this week, Jack Ian Benson, and the various authors of some of the poetry you heard. Thank you so much for letting me, for allowing me to turn your story into this, what it's become. I had a lot of fun with the uncanny package with some of the sound effects. So thank you so much again, Jack Ian Benson. Again, you can find more of their stories in the show notes in the link below. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, I think that's all. There's a scary to sleep Reddit page that I don't check. Uh, so yeah, go follow all of those at scary to sleep. If you have a story you'd like me to turn into this, then please send it to scary to sleep at gmail.com to be considered to be on the show. And again, I am still very backed up on submissions. So it may take me quite a while to get to yours. I'm talking, there have been times where I have rummaged through and found one from a year before and reached out to the author and been like, I know you sent this to me last year, but so uh, just a heads up for that. I am only one woman who (laughs) is in charge of all this. So thank you for your patience uh, to all my authors. Also, if you've never written before, I always like to encourage you to try. If you've if you've had an inkling to try some horror, I am happy. I don't just take uh, seasoned authors. I take a lot of first-time authors. Ask around. I've have had several people write in and be like, I do taxes for a living, and I thought I'd try this out. I've always wanted to try, and here you go. And you never know. You never know. Oh, I did want to address last week when I talked about getting rid of the rambles possibly at the end and the consensus was overwhelmingly I'm going to keep them at the end at least for the most part um I did receive so much overwhelming support for the rambles so many of you love them and those that did that don't necessarily told me very politely if I don't feel like listening to them I just turn it off after the story's over and so many of you said some great stuff about how it made you feel like you're sitting there with a friend who just told you a spooky story and then you kind of move on with your with your conversation and I love that I really want to facilitate this feeling like we're sitting in a room or having a sleepover or sitting in a cemetery somewhere having a glass of wine together (laughs) and I'm telling you these very scary stories and we're just hanging out so I can I can see why you would like them Um, but I also received a few messages that made very good points that made me feel good as well that said, Hey, if there's a week where you don't feel like doing the rambles or just feels like 
there's nothing to share, you don't feel like sharing that week, then just skip it. And so that took a lot of pressure off my shoulders too. So I really, I just got such great input from so many of you and I really, really appreciate it. I didn't have a chance to reply to all of you. I'm so sorry, but I didn't expect to have this many responses. So, uh, thank you. And yes, they are here to stay. And, uh, it's all because of you, Damien. <laughs> uh, so what else was I going to say? Oh, this week I made cinnamon rolls. They were incredible or no, I made them last week. What did I make this week? Yeah. Last week I made cinnamon rolls. That's right. They, they were really good. Um, by the way, I, I use the same recipe all the time. I've mentioned this on other episodes and I've sent them, sent the recipe to a few of you. I make this one recipe from this one website that I cannot for the life of me remember off the top of my head, but, um, it's the best cinnamon roll recipe I've ever had or made. So good. So if you are in looking for a better cinnamon roll recipe and you don't like your current one, or you're looking to make them for the first time from scratch, uh, email me, hit me up on Facebook, uh, or Twitter or Instagram, and I will happily send it to you. That's right. This week I, I made brownies. I made, um, I just used a box of, I love the, the Duncan Hines, uh, brownies with walnuts in them. Just simple. Perfect. Love them. I, I make brownies from scratch every once in a while, especially if I don't have a box in the house. Um, I've learned from the, the kids on TikTok that I have a, an ingredient household, which means I just have a bunch of ingredients that I make things out of. I guess there's a label for that now. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, I, I make brownies from scratch sometimes, but honestly, brownies are one of those things for me personally. This is not universal, clearly, but I always prefer the box brownies over the ones I make from scratch. And that's probably because like my cinnamon roll recipe, I just haven't found my perfect brownie recipe. Or I don't know, maybe Mr. Duncan Hines just got it right the first time. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, I appreciate you uh, sticking with me for a little bit of a shorter episode. I had a lot of great meetings this week. I oh, by the way, if you're a Patreon patron, or you'd like to become a Patreon patron, I have a new episode of Ramble You to Sleep up on Patreon. Speaking of the rambles, every once in a while, I throw up something called Ramble You to Sleep, aka Bore You to Sleep, where I talk about my life in more detail than this, if you can believe it. And this time I told stories about when I used to be a professional background actor and work in the background of TV and movies and what a weird occupation that is. And I just tell a few weird stories from my time doing that on various TV shows and movies and things. So if you'd like to hear that, it's available on Patreon. So yeah, go check that out. And um, I actually messed up. It was supposed to just be in the $3 and up tiers, and I accidentally posted it in the $1 tier as well. So just a freebie for you $1 tier people who, by the way, starting at $1, you get all ad-free episodes, and then from $3 and up, you get the bonus episodes. But that was a freebie for you $1 people. I appreciate you. Just I, I super appreciate you because um, I messed up and I really felt like I didn't want to go back and yank it away from you because that would be mean and I don't want to be mean. So yeah, if you go check out my Patreon, I'd really appreciate I'd really appreciate it. I really appreciate all the support. Uh, working in this freelance world is crazy. Working in the world right now is crazy. Like I said in my ramble, 
eggs are $8 right now. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Anyway, uh, thank you so much for all your support. Yes, go. I'm repeating myself. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna go. Uh, oh, no, I wanted to tell you real quick. There's a little bit of a story about it in that ramble about how I got to do something very exciting this week for a new project that will be coming out this summer. But I have another project coming out in February, and I will be working with Screambox. Yes, Screambox, the horror movie website where you can watch tons of different horror movies. And if you're not subscribed, go subscribe now or go at least check it out. I'm going to be part of the Screambox um, editorial team, I believe is the term they're using. And I actually helped facilitate all of it, which makes me very proud of myself. I, I, I put on my big shoulder pads and my heels and my big 80s work lady hair. And I said, hey, I want to start doing something with Screenbox where I promote Screenbox and get to talk about horror movies in a more relaxed setting than in my audio fiction podcast. And they said, yes. And so we have an amazing team put together. I don't know if everyone wants to be revealed yet, but it's going to be so much fun and it's going to be a podcast and there's other stuff coming. In fact, starting next no not next week the week after next we're going to start putting up tiktok so go subscribe to the b disgusting the letter b and the word disgusting tiktok channel and you're going to start seeing tiktoks from this ragtag bunch of folks i put together to start doing stuff (laughs) so yeah if you're a tiktok fan go again b the letter b the word disgusting Um, because that is going to be more for all over bloody, disgusting horror news. And then the podcast is going to be about Screenbox, and we're going to interview directors and actors and it's going to be a blast. And I I cannot wait to see you there. I'll let you know exactly when we're launching. Don't worry, but I'm so excited to actually get to say something about it. Okay. I'm going to go. I love you so much. Thank you for being here with me and thank you for giving me your time. It's very kind of you. Go get some sleep, sweet dreams.